Hello there. Welcome to the world of movies. My name is Chris. People call me the Movie Prof. This world is inhabited by things called movies. For some people, movies are their faves. Others use them for fights. Myself? I study movies as a profession. First, what is your name? Right. This is my grandson. He has been your rival since you were a baby. Oh, what was his name again? That's right, I remember now. Your very own movie legend is about to unfold. A world of dreams and adventure with movies awaits. Because we come to this place for magic. We come to this podcast to laugh, to cry, to care. Because we need that, that indescribable feeling we get when the lights begin to dim. Dazzling images on a huge silver screen. Somehow, heartbreak feels good in a place like this, and stories feel perfect and powerful. Because here, they are. He's looking at you. What do you think about what last in your seat does? It's going to be our bumpy night. the king of the world! Welcome to another episode of In a Place Like This. I'm Chris Michael Smith, joined today by Rico Mott. Hello. So, Rico, tell us a little bit about yourself. Jeez, this is the hardest question I always have to answer. I have issues with answering these questions. Have you ever written a Tinder bio? Because I suck at those too. (laughs) (laughs) Um, About me, I am a bisexual boy in Southern California. I say that because it's kind of my brand right now. I'm a streamer on Twitch, uh, amateur. I wish I was professional. So I like to play video games in front of people. Which is perfect for this episode. Yep. Well, not talking about the video. Well, we, we will probably talk about the video games. Honestly, we'll, we'll get into that. <laughs> What's your favorite movie? Ooh, I'm going to go with uh, it's more of like a personal choice, rather based on cinematic stuff. Oh, by the way, I'm not a cinephile. No, that's but fine. I, I am an expert on video games, so I think that's why I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> but my favorite movie would have to be Frozen. Oh my god. Yes. Disney Frozen, right? Disney's Frozen, yes. yes. Uh, Anna, Elsa, Kristoff, etc., etc. For me, it's just one of those, a movie that kind of came at the right time in my life. Um, it helped me see that I'm unique, powerful, special, and, you know, queer. <laughs> yep. Um, and just realizing that all of that is a part of me and something I shouldn't be afraid of. And so it really just resonates with me a lot. That's why it's my favorite. I know that this one, like, it gets sort of like a cynical uh, reappraisal lately where it's like, oh, my God, of course you picked Frozen. Frozen's on my top 25 as well. It's it's a good movie, like... And honestly, between the first and the second one, because mm-hmm. the second one also hit me in mm-hmm. a different way, and it was... I think they're both just fantastic movies. And they're gorgeous movies. Oh my god, yeah. Like, Disney knows what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> I think we kind of about covered it a little bit, but is there something else you would briefly like to geek out about? Uh, video games, and... 
um, any and most except probably sports video games are those can be surprisingly fun though I true true I have played um, some sports video games with like friends that very straight friends (laughs) and and they it it is intriguingly fun at times but it's not like my mainstay I wouldn't buy one Mm -hmm. uh, but like when I was a kid I had this Sega Genesis uh, aging myself a little bit (laughs) One of my first video games on that was a football game, a Joe Montana's Sports Talk Football. Oh. It like had weird like vocal tracks. <laughs> like you could hear the announcer talk through the game and it was weird because it was like, you know, Sega it's, Genesis talk. It's that one like, they're going through the thing. Yeah. But it's like so muffled. Yeah. But it was fun though, like, and I'm not a football person at all, but you know, it it was a fun game. Mm -hmm. And now I know who Joe Montana is because Mm -hmm. of that game. And that he played for the San Francisco team, but because of licensing, they couldn't call it the 49ers. Got it. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta catch them all, gotta catch them all! I see now that the circumstances of one's birth are irrelevant. It is what you do with the gift of life that determines who you are. I will electrocute you. So today we're going to be talking about Pokemon movies. Specifically, we're going to be talking about uh, the first three, as well as the most recent one, Detective Pikachu. Mm -hmm. Now, I briefly mentioned this in the beginning, like, we will probably get into the video games because uh, these, they're inextricably tied. Mm -hmm. So you can't really talk about the movies without talking about the video games and the anime and all that stuff. So I'm going to just start with what is your favorite Pokemon? Oh my god, Chris. So for those at home that don't know anything about Pokemon, but you probably do, there are like now 900, almost 99 Pokemon. Yeah. So you're asking me to choose one. Okay. But it's cool. I have one. My favorite Pokemon is called Gardevoir. It's basically this like, imagine an elegant lady dress, like, I believe it's based off of like a Shinto, um... Oh God, priestess! Yeah, <laughs> he pulled up a picture, and it's I I love it. Its Pokedex entry states that it's so loyal to its trainer, and that it has enough psychic power to create a dark hole to protect its trainer. And so I like that because one, I love psychic powers and magic and stuff, because you know, queer. <laughs> but also. Uh, I think that I'm very loyal and to my friends and family and um, that I would, yes, open a black hole to protect them if I could. <laughs> uh, my favorite Pokemon, let me, before I say, say who my favorite is, I wanted to jump into my next question. What was your introduction to Pokemon? Ooh, my introduction to Pokemon was a bit roundabout. It was first that my friend came over and had Pokemon and was showing me it. And it was just like, 
oh my god, this is the coolest thing ever that I've seen. And so I didn't get around to buying a Pokemon game for quite some time. But then I saw the anime. And it was just like, this is so cool. Yeah. And um, finally that kind of converged to where I started playing it and I just fell in love. I became the kid that loves Pokemon, Avi. Yeah. <laughs> and Pokemon was, I, I jokingly would say when I was a kid, was my anti-drug. That's dating myself. So my introduction to Pokemon, I was aware of it before all of this. Like uh, everyone at, I was there, I was like in middle school when the games first came out, like on the Game Boy, aging myself a little bit there. <laughs> uh, I remember kids coming to school with the link cables and Game Boys, uh. and they'd be like trading Pokemon and battling Pokemon and all that stuff. But I didn't actually get into it until I watched the anime. Mm. And it was one morning, I'm like turning it on, it was on the Kids WB. Kids WB. It was the Jigglypuff episode. And the... The, the one with they're in the city and just trying to sing and, yeah. then, and trying to get an audience and everyone's falling asleep and she gets so pissed <laughs> off and just starts smacking people pulls out a pen and just marks up all of their faces and i'm like i am living for this energy and that is why jigglypuff Jiggly. is my favorite pokemon <laughs> oh, my oh my god i always come back to jigglypuff Always. I, I love that that city was basically Las Vegas meets New York. And they were like, everyone here is so mean. And they're like, well, I wonder what would like fix that. And then Jigglypuff was like, I want to become an idol. And so they make Jigglypuff that idol. Yeah. Sorry, I'm geeking out. Yeah, oh my God. And just that energy, like Jigglypuff's energy, that entire episode, just Jigglypuff. Wait, <laughs> <laughs> went from zero to 60 real fast. <laughs> oh my gosh. Totally my energy, by the way. Totally my energy. It's true. Now, um, this one's going to be a little tricky, too, because I know there's like a ton of these, but what is your favorite Pokemon game? My favorite Pokemon game would have to be Pokemon... It's sort of like, because you know, there's like yeah, usually they're... three that are a group together yeah. because they're very similar. They're basically all the same game. Um, mine would be Generation 4, Sinnoh, uh, Diamond, Pearl, and Platinum. Uh. Platinum probably, because they all, the third one's always like the, the superior usually. Yeah. So yeah, Diamond, Pearl, and Platinum. I have an affinity for Diamond because uh, even though Platinum has like more story elements they add, Pla uh, Diamond was like... The Pokemon was cool to me. It was me and my brothers would assign ourselves like which Pokemon we're choosing. And so it was like, you get that one. And I was like, okay, I'll choose that one. So yeah. So with me, the only games that I played initially uh, were the first generation red, blue, green. Well, not, not blue, tech, green. Green, green uh, maybe not through um, perhaps the most. Um, <clears throat> Up and up of means? Calling the police. <laughs> uh, yellow. So I remember all of those. After that, because I didn't have a lot of like portable consoles until mm -hmm. like the 3DS. Mm -hmm. um, so when I got the ones on Switch, those were a lot of fun. But I'm going, kind of going outside the box here, and I'm just going to go ahead and say Pokemon Go. Ooh. So I'm not the first person to express this. But the initial launch of Pokemon Go, I believe, was the closest we've ever come to world peace. Honestly. Uh, like, Niantic was onto something there. Like, 
And, you know, if only, if only that continued, imagine, like, the harmony we would be in today. Instead of wars, we would be raiding Pokemon. Oh my gosh. Uniting together. Honestly, to I think Pokemon is the key still. Like like there was something there. We we need to push mm-hmm. this more. We need mm-hmm. to, yeah. But also yeah, the games themselves are a lot of fun too. I enjoyed uh, Sword and Shield. That was a lot of yes. fun. But if I'm going to go and like say a best one, like probably the most influential, the most like the the one that really like made Pokemon, I mean, it didn't make Pokemon a staple, but it like it was already a phenomenon, so I don't want to say it became a phenomenon either, but you know what I'm trying to say? It, it made it like a at-home name, is what you basically Yeah, right. yeah, something like that, but, you know, bigger. Okay. Yeah. Oh, you're saying more that it, 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 it somehow tapped into nostalgia and then bringing people together to where it just became, I think, just a greater phenomenon. Yeah. Like, Pokemon was already this huge phenomenon, like you said. And then you had it now to where everyone had this nostalgia and or wanted to try it because everyone else was trying it. So you had like the virality, right? That's the word? Yeah, something. Virality of the social media now and now Pokemon too. Like I remember like we, like I'd go to the park for my run and then I'd be like Mm -hmm. catching Pokemon along the way and I'd look up, I'd see just a group of strangers just out there raiding a gym. Mm -hmm. Like this game was bringing people together from like all walks of life and in like a really positive environment it kind of reminds me of like geocaching i i heard that geocaching had a sort of almost like phenomenon but not as probably big because it was exploration and treasure finding so kind of similar with pokemon we're like this pokemon's here maybe it's over here yeah it's type of thing i I remember walking through a parking lot and someone else would be in the same parking lot it's like you're trying to find the pikachu i'm like yeah i want the pikachu (laughs) (laughs) i remember there being, I went to like a big area um, that was popular with Pokemon with my family and was like, we brought lawn chairs to chill out because I was looking for Pokemon. My brothers and sisters, I think, were looking for Pokemon, but my parents were like just chilling, so they brought lawn chairs. And it was, I think, in Long Beach, um, and there was a huge crowd of people. There was at least 100 to 200 people there. And it suddenly, like, a, a Gyarados spawned, and everyone lost their... Am I allowed to curse on this? Um, we try to keep it PG. Okay. But I, I everyone lost their minds. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, a stampede started to occur. And I'd already been through this, but my parents had not. And so they, like, started to panic because a mob of, like, 200 people was coming towards them. And uh, I just remember being like... Don't move. It, unlike animals, they just go around you. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, it was a great time, honestly. Yeah. I remember what everyone was afraid of. Like, oh my gosh, people are going to like walk into traffic trying to catch Pokemon. And I don't think that. I think there was like one or two people that. I mean, it wasn't as widespread as people were worried yeah. about. And the game tells you, like, pay attention to your, like from the beginning, it said, pay attention to your surroundings. Yeah. Like, don't go somewhere you're not supposed to yeah, be. Yeah. Just... Don't yeah. use common sense. I, my and I think I think to the credit of Pokemon Go players, like they they, did. they were really good about that. Yeah. So uh, before we forget that this is a movie podcast, <laughs> <laughs> I mean again, inextricably tied to the games. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna go into the very very first entry into the Pokemon canon, Pokemon the first movie, Mewtwo Strikes Back. 
Ba-da, ba-da, ba-da. Yeah. Sorry, I have to do the music. AKA Mew versus Mewtwo, mm-hmm. AKA. So, the movie came out in Japan in 1998, mm-hmm. 1999 in the United States. Right. It was still a relatively new phenomenon mm-hmm. at the time. Uh, like, I think Pokemon had only just come out, and it almost felt like... Well, the games had come out in Japan in 95? Oh, wow. We got it late. <laughs> yeah. We had to wait, and then we got it in, like, 98. And, yeah. and then the anime was, I think, in around 96, 97, if I remember correctly. Yeah. So, yes. Uh, it, for me, it almost feels like the producers behind it thought Pokemon was going to be like a flash in the pan. Mm. Like, where they wanted to capitalize on its success while, you know, strike while the iron is still hot, all that stuff. Absolutely. And it did feel like this one was very much rushed into existence. Yes. (laughs) Watching the movie, I was like... So when I watched it as a kid, of course I loved it. It was action-y, it had Pokemon, so of course I loved it. But then I I watched it as an adult and was like, okay, I'm going to examine this movie. And you realize that, yeah, they kind of were just like just throwing Pokemon at you. Yeah. Like, pun intended. Um, like, oh my god, there's so much pun, um, po- Pokemon, and absolutely, they, they wanted to sell Pokemon. And on the last rewatch, which we rewatched the first two mm-hmm. together, uh, you pointed out to me that they were even using, like, clips from the anime. Yes, there's a lot of, of just rehashing of the anime. Which even the anime itself does. Yeah. It would just, you know, replay the same clip whenever, you know, Pidgeotto comes out. It's the same clip of Pidgeotto coming out. Because, of course, why would they not? Like, you even show, pointed out, like, Gary was in one of them. And he's, like, not even, like, a character in the show. Gary's in the show. Or, I mean, in the, in the, movie, the show. The movie. Uh, yeah, yeah. But he's not even anywhere in the movie. Yeah. Like, they show, show Gary. Um, there's, like, when Mewtwo blows up the... Oh, no, no, not blows up the lab. He blows up Giovanni's gym and flies away with his armor falling off. It's the same shot as the intro. Yeah. There's just a lot of reuse, which, of course, animating things is difficult. I mean, Disney Disney even does it. Yeah. So it's... But, yeah. I don't want to say it was lazy, though, because uh, at least in Japan, the film was very... I'm not going to say very well-received, but it was... They liked it. It was popular. It was popular. Uh, When it came over here... If you were not a Pokemon fan, uh, it it was not (laughs) well-received at all. A big part of the problem, would you say, would that be the Western localization? Yes. So there was a huge difference between the Japanese version, which out of all the Pokemon movies I've watched, both the the sub and dub, etc., etc., there's a huge change and tone change I think when they brought it over to English they they <clears throat> in the original Japanese Mewtwo is a very ambiguous enemy it's not he's evil it's more of he's trying to figure things out and because of that he makes you know some poor choices or he reacts suddenly because he's being used or you know there's a difference <clears throat> Excuse me. Whereas, and in the English, it's just like Mewtwo is bad. Everyone else is good. Woohoo! Yeah. <laughs> I feel like the idea of a nuanced villain, uh, especially in a movie that's 
geared towards children Mm -hmm. is kind of new. Yeah. Because back then it felt like they really weren't trusting the audience Mm -hmm. at all. And I feel like it would have made a better movie if they left in that nuance. Yeah, and I, what's interesting is that I've mentioned to you, and now I can mention it to y'all, is there was also nuances on who is good and bad in the Japanese. Mew in the English is just like Mew, 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 and being cute as heck. And even when Meow... Toad's adorable. Toad's cute. Right. <laughs> that bubble. Oh, my oh God. Oh, my God. It's, it's so, uh, as they say, kawaii. <laughs> 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 like, they have that down to a T. But Mew in the Japanese, um, Mew, is literally when Meowth, there's a scene where Meowth translates for me, uh, Mew to me, um, everyone else. Mew basically just tells Mewtwo, you're a fake and you don't deserve to be here. Wow. Um, yeah. Basic, like, I'm paraphrasing, but essentially the, the tone is, you are a clone. Clones do not matter. You are not powerful, more powerful than us, because we are the real ones. Like, we are real. You are fake. And so Mew, Mew is more nuanced to be like, okay, maybe you're not as cute and good as you are thought out to be at first. You heard it here first. Mew's a jerk. <laughs> Straight up jerk. So... One thing about most of these movies is that they tie in with the anime. They're not like most Mm -hmm. film or TV to film adaptations where it's like it almost feels like side canon, not really part Mm -hmm. of what audiences watch. It's not its own augmented universe. Uh, In fact, the sequels would actually be tied directly to the seasons that were on at the time. Right. They wanted to do that with this one, but there was a delay with releasing the episodes mm. because of um, what episode was it? The Deno Senshi Porygon episode? Right. Uh, I don't know if I remember seeing this in the news that there was like controversy because Pokemon, the anime, was causing seizures. Right. And I, that was the episode that caused the delay in the series. They. Blame a lot of people blame Porygon because Porygon is in that episode and yeah. featured obviously. Um, Porygon has never since then made a debut in the anime because uh, I guess the, the the creators do not trust Porygon. But fun fact that you can find on the internet if you look, it is not Porygon that causes the seizures. It's actually Pikachu using thunderbolts. Which is weird, because he does that in, like, mm-hmm. all of the episodes. I think because he's in the digital world, it does a slight different color alteration. That might do it. If I remember correctly. You can watch this episode oh, on yeah. you, the internet. And, you know, if you, of course, if you have... Yeah, just seizure warning, don't... Watch it in a very, I think, bright room. Don't watch... Focus too hard on it. Maybe wear some sun. I don't know. I'm not a medical professional. Yeah. But. If you feel comfortable <laughs> that you can handle it, then yes, you can. But yeah, it's Pikachu that is the culprit, and yet we blame poor Porygon. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, it's, it delayed the tie-in to the movie. And they had to alter the movie a little bit so they can like make it make sense within, yes. within the series. Um, there are, th- interestingly, like yes, this is a film geared towards children, but Mewtwo kind of like poses some interesting questions about existentialism. Even in the English. Yeah, that that even comes through in this version. It's like, huh, okay. And I know, like, especially if we're looking at it like, this was made for kids, this was a cash grab, all that stuff. But Mm. that's kind of big considering the kind of movie this is. Mm -hmm. 
I haven't had a chance to watch this, but recently Netflix basically remade this movie uh, shot for shot in CG. Yes, so I actually quickly watched it, kind of breezed over it. Thank God Netflix has, um, you can speed up the movie. Yeah. So I kind of did that, and then I I didn't watch it fully, fully, but I, I watched it. A good chunk. Wait, when you said that, I just heard every cinephile on Twitter just shudder. (laughs) How dare you? I I will have to go back and watch it (laughs) in normal speed. It was a remake of Pokemon, the first movie. Yes. It's not like he did this with Phantom Thread. (laughs) Yes, I did. Oh, God. No, I did not do that with the other movies. (laughs) Just this one. It is very um, true to the original I think it has some slight alterations in script and voice acting, but uh, it's actually really nice. And the way it's uh, animated is almost like a, and this is saying a lot, I think, uh, a Blizzard cinematic. Oh, interesting. It's really nice looking, very polished. It's almost like an in-between between um, general 3D animation and the animation that's used for Detective Pikachu. Like there's texture to Pikachu's fur. Ooh. Um, but it's not almost. It, we'll get into Detective Pikachu yeah. later. But yeah, it, it, it's very polished, and I really actually did enjoy it. I want to go back and watch it. So I'll need to check that out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I may have mistakenly said that Netflix made this. I not entirely. No, I, it, I think they distributed it, yes. but the it was made by a different yes, studio. But we're never wrong here. So never wrong. My self-correction before anyone gets back to me, it's like Netflix didn't make this. Like I caught it before you did. So, <laughs> but Netflix likes to say that it even says a Netflix original movie. Of course they do because they're distributing it. But in reality, no, the Pokemon company made it, yeah. and then Netflix bought the U.S. distribution rights. Yes. Which brings us to Pokemon the movie two thousand. Made in 1999. <laughs> I was about to say, made in 1999? Well, in the United States, it was released in 2000, and it is only called Pokemon the Movie 2000 in the United States, as far as I know. Mm, okay. Uh, the actual actual title is The Power of One. The Power of One. Okay. The Power of One, which, that's an infinitely better title, but of course it was the year 2000 and everything had to have a 2000 in it. Of course, Godzilla 2000. Godzilla 2000, um, uh, Fantasia 2000. There you go. The Blues Brothers 2000. There's a Blue Brothers 2000? We don't talk about the Blues oh, Brothers okay. 2000. <laughs> this is a positive podcast. Um, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Morbius. Anyway, Pokemon. <laughs> it's Morbin time. The Power of One is a better title, but I feel like it's not super accurate with what happens in the movie. If you really pay attention, yes. Very shallowly, you realize that, yeah, Power of One, it's focusing on Ash being this, you know, can I say, he's a Mary Sue. He suddenly has all this power and he's the one that saves everyone. (laughs) I almost want to say that it was like an intentional in-joke that he keeps Mm -hmm. referring to himself as the chosen one. Yes, he's like, I'm the chosen one. (laughs) I do like the cleverness, though, of the prophecy where it's like, do not disturb the the powers of fire, ice, and lightning um, or the world will turn to ash. Yeah. And it's like the double entendre of, the world will burn, slash, it will turn to ash. It's in literally the ash. Ash is the centerpiece. Oh, I wish they called me something else. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, what, what we were when we were watching it, we noticed, 
and you can pull out that it's more than just the power of one. Yeah, because I usually don't like that narrative. It's like, because mm -hmm. that's a problematic in real life narrative, like, oh, one person will fix all of our problems, mm -hmm. when in reality it takes everybody working together. And lo and behold, in the movie, everybody works together. Right. Even Team Rocket goes in and, like, mm -hmm. saves the day. Mm -hmm. And I love... Yeah, the villain of this movie is the collector, and I found out his name is Lawrence the Third. You know, because we have to give him the third for him to be evil. <laughs> but he, I think Nintendo, not Nintendo, Game Freak, Pokemon Company, etc., was like, "Hey, we know this is still new, but a lot of you are collectors now, and you you cherish Pokemon for the wrong reasons." And so they hold a mirror up to the fan base and we're like, see what happens. Because this guy is trying to collect Pokemon, collect three legendary Pokemon and then Lugia, the final Pokemon, um, the main Pokemon. And what happens is that by doing so, the world starts to fall apart, literally. And he doesn't care. He just keeps collecting the Pokemon. And he's like, mm, oh, tornadoes and stuff are happening and my, like, my warship battle fortress in the sky falls out and nothing i still want to capture them yeah capitalism <laughs> <laughs> exactly but everyone comes together to stop him and then resolve the issues yes. and i like this movie a lot more than the first one this one is probably one of my favorites yeah, of the three, honestly, this is my favorite one. Mm -hmm. And I, I just thought it was like such a bigger scale. Yes. It felt like a full, it felt like a movie movie. Mm -hmm. Like the first one felt like sort of like an extended episode of the show. This exactly. one felt like an actual movie. The first one just has, like I told you, just it's, it's Pokemon battles. And yeah. like, cool, awesome, that's the show. But this one was like Pokemon battles in an epic scale. And there's stakes of the world is going to end truly. And you can tell from the fire, lightning, and all of that happening. But uh, yeah, it's just a, a, a more intensity and cooler version of Pokemon, I think. I think so too. You mentioned something about Lugia when we were watching it. So Lugia wasn't in, originally intended to be in the video game. Yes, so Lugia was, by the creators of these first three movies, created specifically for the movie. And then what happened was, Game Freak was like, we like this Pokemon that you've created. We're going to use it in the games. So Lugia was not originally intended for or created by the games. And then the movie people were like, hey, let's take this Pokemon and use it. It's yeah. kind of the reverse. And there's a couple of other Pokemon that are also created for the movies and not for the games. And then they incorporate them into the games. You mean this thing that was in the movie, look, that was like so cool that they wanted to put it in the movie would look cool in the game as well? <laughs> Precisely. Um, kind of a Harley Quinn effect. Created um, for the animated series, but, you know, became so popular that she got her own comic book. And, yes. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And Lugia, they tied it into... You know, you have this one quest for Ho-Oh, which is its opposite. You know, the gold and silver. Lugia would be silver. Ho-Oh is gold. And you have, like, the three uh, beasts who are tied into another movie. And then you would have the three birds, um, though you didn't have to collect them. You just had to go find Lugia under the sea. Da -da 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 -da. <laughs> um, no, wrong mouse. And like I was saying, that the games and the movies are inextricably tied. Like, the movies were made to essentially sell more mm -hmm. games. 
and also, you know, advertise the anime and things like that. Absolutely. So between these two movies, there was one major difference that I noticed uh, quality-wise, and that had to do with the soundtrack. Oh, yes. So the first movie had a very um, Americanized soundtrack that Mm -hmm. uh, didn't... um, You know what? The less said about that, the better. The (laughs) second film... It was a We Are the World concert. Yeah. (laughs) Because there was stuff in the first one that didn't even fit. Like Mm -hmm. the Brothers song while they're fighting. Like Like I'm telling you, they were trying to make it a We Are the World concert and it just was not landing correctly. I mean, there was a, you know, the Christina Aguilera song was pretty good. But it was the end credits. It was the end credits, yes. Mm-hmm. And it was a good song. In Pokemon the Movie 2000, yeah, The Power of One was a bop. I yes. Think. Yeah, I loved it. Weird Al made a song for... <laughs> you were so excited. Oh my god, I'm a Weird Al fan. I, I love Weird Al. <laughs> and he made Polkamon, which is a polka for naming all the Pokemon. He took the Pokemon rap and said, let me uh, hold my beer. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, and anytime you get to hear Weird Al do a polka, it's... He did the Hamilton polka recently, and that is... Fire. Just amazing. (laughs) No notes. No notes. I think another... uh, This movie had a very focus on one song, which was the Power of One song, but it was also called Lugia's Song. And it's a beautiful song, honestly, very peaceful, relaxing. It truly emotes bringing about peace. And it's the song that's used and played on an ocarina. Come on, Zelda. Nintendo. (laughs) Um, To quell basically what's happening. And I love that song. I think there are so many people. I know a friend that has his Animal Crossing song, his island song that plays when you come in. It's yeah. the first, like, four or five notes of the do-do-do-do-do-do. That is so and cool. It's, it's a beautiful song, and Pokemon starts to, I think, realize, or maybe they did, and it's just less Americanized in the future ones, that they sometimes need a song. Yeah. There's only mainly one other one uh, that we won't touch upon, but it's called Erosion, and it's in the later game. Uh, again, another song that's used to calm everything down. Yeah. And uh, calming songs are the best. They are. Which brings us to Pokemon 3, the movie Spell of the Unknown. Mm-hmm. Unknown spell, the Pokemon, not unknown as in uh, unknown. What's out there? Ah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Into the unknown. No. <laughs> wrong mouse again. Wrong mouse, wrong mouse. Um, this one was, so you mentioned something to me and I could not unsee it. I can't unsee it either now and it it's tainted my view. Go ahead. Uh the parallels. The parallels between this film and WandaVision. <laughs> what? Parallels? It's this it's literally the, the same plot points. It's amazing. Yeah, the only doubt da- the only difference is instead of her the little girl being the one who has the power, it's uh, the unknown. And and Ente. Ente is like a proxy. Oh yeah. So so yes, Ente does have powers, but it's still like technically the unknown, unknown. that does it. Essentially, <laughs> like so she go ahead. Sorry. Major mind control, just kind of like creating this world around her to comfort her after a big loss. Yep. She has power, she can transform, she can create things at will because of the, the magic, and then she starts to lose control of the magic. 
Um, and yes, she mind controls Ash's mom. Yeah. <laughs> the only difference is no Agatha. There is no Agatha. No along. Agatha. But uh, yeah, when you mentioned that, I was like, huh, okay, yeah, you know what? I see this. But yeah, uh, I did enjoy this one as well. Yes, it, it's, I think it continues that grander scale of Pokemon. It's not just throwing Pokemon at you. Although it, it does introduce some newer Pokemon again. Uh, Entei is so cool. And also Entei, she calls it daddy? Because she because <laughs> she thought that it was her father reincarnated, reincarnated as Entei. Because he the story he tells at the beginning, yes. he's like, I am Entei. Yes, yeah. I, but, but after hearing Entei's voice, it's like this, like, very, I'm Entei type voice, and honestly, same, dad, yeah. dad, dad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow, all right, heard <laughs> it here first, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Speaking of, like, throwing Pokemon at you, in their initial theatrical releases, all three of these films came with shorts. Mm. The first film came with Pikachu's Vacation. Uh, Pokemon 2000 came with P Pikachu's Rescue Adventure. And Pokemon 3 came with Pikachu and Pichu. Mm -hmm. And all three of them were like just throwing as many Pokemon yes. as they could at the screen. In fact, Ash and Misty and Brock, they weren't not in these. Yeah. They... But they were all, they were like to the point where you hardly even see them. The These shorts focus on like the day in the life of the Pokemon. Yeah. Which I think is kind of neat. Um, the first one uses the Pokedex to explain to you what's happening. Yeah. But uh, I think the seconds and third ones, there's a there's narration, but it's very much just acting via Pika Pika, Pikachu, and yeah. Toka Toka Doo, and just Those all these noises. Those are super cute. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I think, I mean, I know Disney does this a lot with their, their mm -hmm. films. They'll throw a short in the beginning. And I feel like Pokemon was doing the same thing. Yes, and there's, each film has one. Yeah. And so that's 23 shorts. Yeah, and the three that I watched, I thought were just, <laughs> they were adorable. I loved them. And I just love watching Pikachu interact with Pichu, and at first it's like, I'm gonna kill these things, and it's like, oh my god, I love them! I love them! The Pichus with, so <laughs> the lore behind Pichu is that it can't, maintain its electricity correctly and so it like shorts itself out whenever it uses it and hurts itself and so it's like trying to use it's like thunderbolt and then it's like oh and like falls on the floor basically it's also a fun note if you play super smash brothers with pichu and or any super smash brothers with pichu whenever it uses an electric type attack it gets damaged yeah that's the nod <laughs> what i just love that i just Imagine Pikachu just grabbing the Pichu's going, I love this Pichu, and if anything happens to this Pichu, I will kill everyone in this room, including myself. <laughs> <laughs> that line, every time. So, Pokemon does this interesting thing also that's particularly noticeable in this game and then the trading card game. Because, again, remember, they're trying to sell things. Uh, Entei uses a move that is not usable in the games ever. Um, they've never added it into the games, even retroactively or anything. It's called Rainbow Blast. The only place you ever see it is on a Pokemon card, which I think is um, homophobia because Rainbow mm. Blast and why is it not more used? But funny enough, the anime also does mention it, I believe. 
Yeah. Ho-Oh uses it once, Entei again uses it, and then some, some other Pokemon uses Rainbow Blast. And it's an actual move, but you just can't use it in the game. In the games, there's no... I think the closest to it would be Sacred Fire. Interesting. Yeah. I wonder if it's like one of those overpowered moves that if you get it, like, you <laughs> it, it will get no like challenge. It seemed like a pretty intense attack, definitely. <laughs> yeah. In the early 2000s, when these films came out, I spent a lot of time on the interwebs on a little website called IMDb. Mm-hmm. And during this time, all three of these movies were on the bottom 100. Mm-hmm. They are not there now. So what I think what was going on is a, there's a tendency to look at a movie and say, this wasn't made for me and therefore it's bad. And I feel like this is sort of like a human nature response. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna go Again, back to my childhood. When I was a kid, uh, preschoolers were watching Barney the Purple Dinosaur. And my generation kept coming up with songs about not only harming Barney, but like killing him violently. I remember that. Uh, It wasn't so much, we didn't want Barney off the air. We didn't want him canceled. We wanted to go full Julius Caesar on him. Like... You wanted to erase Barney from existence. Yeah, we wanted... He was purple. We wanted him red. (laughs) (laughs) No, we we were children. We were children. And we were singing these songs. And first of all... I was the preschooler. First of all, to everyone who grew up watching Barney the Purple Dinosaur, on behalf of my generation, I apologize. (laughs) Thank you. I I take that to heart. Because I may have been involved with that, too. But, uh... (laughs) We were children. We were children. But the, Barney's only crime was not being made for us, but being made for, you know, kids who were younger than us. Who, who was your Barney equivalent? Oh, gosh. For me, um, I might have been a little too old for Eureka's Castle. I remember I used to watch a lot of Sesame Street when I was okay. really little. And Fair. Yeah. But I think that might have been the only preschool thing. Okay. For me. Because I used to watch just regular cartoons. Eureka's Castle. I'm going to write this Eureka's down. Castle. I'm uh, look at it now. Uh, yeah. There was that. And then what's weird is after that came Blue's Clues, and suddenly everyone was okay with Blue's Clues. And I'm like, okay, maybe... Because it's a dog. That's yeah, adorable. It's a dog. Yeah. So, yeah. I feel like that's what was happening with Pokemon. <laughs> but a yeah, generation that maybe grew up watching, say, Dragon Ball Z, which, by the way... I'm willing to bet you that there was a generation ahead of you that grew up on Thundercats going, this is stupid. Why do you like this? So this has happened to everyone. Yeah. I used to get it with Power Rangers. Power Rangers was my thing. Yeah. I, I think I had a moment of, not with hating any childhood things, or maybe, I don't, I can't particularly put my finger on it, but I remember, you know, because I'm such a popular influencer, this obviously sarcasm, Uh, I tweeted something and then I realized like, oh, this is a moment of realizing that this isn't meant for me and not, that's okay. And I think it's important for people to recognize that, that sometimes something is just not meant for you. Yeah. And it's okay. You don't have to be entitled to that. Exactly. And what was interesting is as these kids who grew up watching these movies uh, also started to vote on IMDb, the score started mm-hmm. to come up. Mm-hmm. So it's like, again, the audience that this was intended for, it landed. 
Yes. So and uh, also I feel my the reason why I wanted to discuss this is because it doesn't only apply to things that were made for kids versus things that are made for adults because it's kind of across the spectrum across the board if you say a film is made by Tyler Perry would get the same treatment by uh, say IMDB users who may be of a different race mm. if you catch my drift on this because uh, a lot of those movies also ended up on the bottom 100 or pretty close Wow. yeah uh, if bigger more recent um, example would be uh, the 2016 Ghostbusters oh right is that a perfect movie not at all it was fine mm-hmm. I thought but before when the first teaser was released everyone was like this is horrible why are you doing this mm-hmm. and I feel like the main reason for that wasn't that the film because there was no way they could have known this when the teaser came out it had nothing to do with the quality of the film it was because they were women. Uh-huh. And I feel like this happens a lot. And again, you realize like not everything, and not even so much that it has to be for us, but not, not everything has to be about us mm. either. Learn from other stories. Yeah, that's why we get we see it a lot in Star Wars when you have like a non-white character introduced. Mm-hmm. Uh, you saw it, we saw it last year with Eternals when one of the characters turned out to be gay. Yeah. Um, Again, it, this doesn't take anything away from you. Like, you could still... And also, if you open yourself up to stories that maybe weren't made for you, you might still enjoy them. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Like, I, I'm glad I'm seeing movies that are sort of outside of that mainstream start to gain popularity. Like, a couple years ago with Parasite, how yes. that became, like, a huge, a huge thing. And, yeah, this was, like, maybe not made with American culture in mind. But many Americans love this movie. Studio Ghibli films. Oh yeah. It's it's they aren't culturally maybe made for me, but it's something that you just revel in. And that's uh, funny enough. That's a perfect example. Mm-hmm. It's it's different entirely, but it's still enjoyable if you just realize that it's it's meant to be different. Yeah. And in fact, like if you have you ever seen Akira? No. So there was a an attempt to remake it in the United States, mm. Ghost in the Shell style. Thankfully, it didn't happen because a lot of what made Akita so good is that it's very ingrained in Japanese culture. Mm. So to like try to force it into an American box, maybe that won't work mm-hmm. as much. Mm-hmm. But again, that doesn't mean that we can't enjoy it. We can totally enjoy it. But again, we just have to understand that maybe it just wasn't meant with us in mind but that doesn't automatically make it bad Mm -hmm. i'm making a whole lot of points at once (laughs) but i mean all of them so if these were at one time the amongst the worst reviewed films at least on imdb uh one film kind of broke through the mold and not only was it well received it became the first video game based movie to get a fresh score on Rotten Tomatoes. It broke the uh, tomato ceiling, if you will, and that was Pokemon Detective Pikachu. Yes. Featuring the voice of Ryan Reynolds doing his, essentially his Deadpool shtick, but cleaned his up for thing. kids. Yep. <laughs> Basically. 
I'm still sad, though, that they did not go with Danny DeVito. It was going to be Danny DeVito. There was a fan, I don't know what to call it, sway, intention. They wanted Danny DeVito. And honestly, it makes sense. I could see it. I could, yeah. Especially the whole detective thing going, yeah. Yeah, like, come on. I mean, Ryan Reynolds was fine, but I feel like Danny DeVito might have been better. No, no offense, Ryan Reynolds, but just for this role. Uh, it's the one role where you could hear Pikachu talk and not just saying yes. Pika Pika. Yes. Well, in story, only the protagonist can hear Pikachu talk. Yes. He, everyone else hears Pika Pika. And it's like, it's even made a point that like, oh, you're so cute. Like, and he's like, she doesn't understand a word I'm saying. One, one of the things, like, he's expecting people to like, uh, hear, just hear Pika Pika. So like, when they first interact, he does the finger motions. It's like, put the stapler down. He's like pointing to his tail or I will shock you. <laughs> and I think that was such a great way to like put that across. Like he's tired of people misunderstanding him. <laughs> I, you know, yeah. When, I, when I'm trying to get people to understand me at my job, absolutely. I pull out the finger motions. Yeah. Line is closed, crosses arms in front of me. <laughs> and probably the least believable thing is like when he, um, spoiler alert for a three-year-old movie, uh, you find out that um, the reason, uh, skip ahead if you, you know, don't, don't want it spoiled. Don't want it spoiled. But again, the movie came out three years ago, so I think we passed that threshold, right, mm -hmm. by now? Uh, the character Ryan Reynolds plays is actually uh, the father of the protagonist. Justice Smith is the protagonist. The least believable thing, I don't know how old Ryan Reynolds is, but I feel He's like... like 45. Even so, I f yeah, it, that still feels too young to be... To be like a Justice Smith's father, potentially if they was like had him young, which is almost like almost implied. That's why he like left and didn't want anything maybe. to do with him. He kind of just made that like I'm youthful choice. Maybe I don't maybe. know. Maybe I maybe it's just me having trouble seeing Ryan Reynolds as a father <laughs> in general. He is and in he real is life. In though. real life, <laughs> I don't know. Like I wasn't even that big of a fan of Van Wilder to be honest. Um, but that's kind of the vibe I get from him. And it's like, oh no, he's an actual father in real life and probably a responsible parent. And I don't mean to drag him at all. I just have trouble seeing it specifically because of the fair roles enough. he has played. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, the movie was visually spectacular. Yes. Oh my gosh, it looks so good. The production design, uh, the visual effects, the Pokemon in live action. I got to see a live action Jigglypuff. I was so excited. Which. The Jigglypuff for me is slightly unsettling at first. When you see it, you're kind of just like, oh, that thing on your head is like a little quaff thing. Yeah. Like, my hair right now is doing it, and so now I understand. But it's like, oh, okay. Like, it's not just like this gelatinous, I don't know, deformity on its head. Yeah. <laughs> but it, at first, you, you see the Pokemon, and they... I think capitalize on that Pokemon are cute because they have big googly eyes. Of and course. that still is kept inside this movie, which I think is good. Yeah. Uh, Mewtwo makes a reappearance in this one, and yes. I feel like it's suggested that he's the same Mewtwo. So I watched this one with 
they have a special feature on the DVD, the Blu-ray, called Detective Mode, and it's not the same Mewtwo. Oh. It is a different Mewtwo entirely, which is presented in Pokemon canon, that there can be multiple of Pokemon, even a genetically modified um, Pokemon like Mewtwo. Uh, but it's a different Mewtwo, but they did incorporate how it's inside the capsule and that they purposely did the bubbles like the original movie to oh. to kind of give it that. Because they said, we want this to be a Pokemon film that is an homage to the fans. Yeah, and they did an excellent job at that, which is why it makes me sad that they canceled the sequel. I think they're going to wait for... Also, yeah, the way the movie ends, I don't... It would have to... He would have to somehow be Pikachu again. Exactly. And he's turned into a human. Once again, spoiler alert for a three-year-old movie. (laughs) I just assume with this podcast, what I would listen, because if you aren't listening, you should be, because, I mean, now I'm on the the podcast. Thank you so much. (laughs) But... You, I would just assume that there'd be spoilers. Yeah. Considering you're talking about the movie. I mean, we literally we spoiled a few plot points from everything, everywhere, all at once, and mm-hmm. that just came out. So. Yeah. Understandable, but yes, plot spoilers. Yes. <laughs> so, there are you've only seen now the first three and Detective Pikachu movies, right, Chris? Yeah. There's a total of twenty six. Twenty six, I believe. I think I mentioned twenty three earlier. No, I didn't. I said 26. 26. That's (laughs) a lot of movies. There is a lot, but I would probably give you two that I would recommend that continue this sort of... That's more than 007. (laughs) Just just throwing that out there. 007 has a lot of movies, but not that many. Yeah, they're successful somehow. (laughs) They're they're doing the thing they're supposed to do. Pokemon is the most lucrative franchise out there, so it's doing its thing. All right, the two movies I would recommend to you are Destiny Deoxys and Pokemon uh, Diamond and Pearl. It's technically what it's called, and its subtitle is The Rise of Darkrai. Ooh. And it's it's it twi- it has a twist, and I, I so I highly suggest that one. It's not a big big twist, but you're like, oh okay, I see where you went with this Pokemon, and it has a. A bit more cataclysm to it too Ooh. as well so i highly recommend those that was also the one i mentioned that has a song oh yeah that that's right everything down that's good that's good i want to ask you a bunch of questions and i want to have them answered immediately so we actually had a couple of questions Ooh. um i had to actually skip one of them because um we covered it earlier in the episode it was like uh, do you have a favorite pokemon fair enough but is there a pokemon that you identify as I feel like I kind of address that as with my Gardevoir. Yeah, I feel um, the same with Jigglypuff. If I had to choose another Pokemon that I identify as, I would say that I possibly more than likely Pikachu. Yeah. Pikachu for me, I, I have that electric personality. Um, I feel, wow, I feel like I'm hyping myself up right now. <laughs> I've seen it. You got it. Um, and just kind of like... I, I want to say even maybe Detective Pikachu. Like, I feel like I could pull off the Ryan Reynolds suave a little bit, um, having fun with myself. And, and very much, I think my vibe is very much the put the stapler down before I shock you with my tail. <laughs> like, truly, yeah. that is me. That is 100% my vibe. Not to steal your answer, but I feel like because Pikachu is, like, the one, he's, like, the franchise is Mickey Mouse. Yes. He's like, 
a he or she, because it could be either, mm-hmm. or they. Um, Come on, Pikachu inclusivity. Yes. Uh, they are, yeah, they're, they're the mascot for Pokemon, so it's kind of hard not to, like, gravitate towards Pikachu just because, like, that's the Pokemon you see the most. Mm-hmm. I think another one that is purposely also now being purported as a mascot for Pokemon uh, that I identify with is Eevee. Eevee, that's right. Eevee is very much, you know, it has the potential to become anything, and we all have that. <laughs> I'm going with Jigglypuff because I also like to perform and do get very offended if you fall asleep while I'm performing. So those of you who fall asleep to my uh, podcast, uh, just know, don't be surprised when you wake up and there are markings all over your face. I'm still waiting. (laughs) (laughs) You have a very calming voice. I know you mentioned that you think that you sound like Kermit, but for me, you have a calming voice. Oh, so I sound like Jigglypuff guy. (laughs) (laughs) So the next question, by the way, that question came from where is Ralph on Instagram uh, with underscores uh, between the words. Thanks, Ralph. Who also asked the next question, what type, fire, water, etc., do you prefer if you could have a Pokemon as a pet? <laughs> I want a fairy type Pokemon. <laughs> Same, actually. You know what? Even if I wake up with markings on my face, if I could get a Pokemon to, like, get me through those insomnia nights, I'll give you that to You want a psychic me. Pokemon? A psychic might work, too. Yeah. I like the differentiation that they started to do where psychic used to mean mental stuff and also magical stuff. Yeah. And now they included fairy, and fairy has started to become the magical stuff, and psychic is the mental things. So, Ooh. yeah, psychic Pokemon would. Psychic might go too far, though. That's where, where I get a little... Get in your brain. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, but like hypnosis. You want a Pokemon that knows hypnosis, right? Maybe, yeah. Truly. But, you know, as long as they're acting in good faith. Yeah, no, yeah. just to put you to sleep. So you can sleep throughout the night. Yeah, that might work too. <laughs> or sleep powder. And maybe I won't, won't wake up with, you know, markings on my face. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> uh, my guest from episode two, Logan Belitho, asks, what's your favorite Pokemon generation? I also touched on this earlier um, because of the games. Gen, I guess not necessarily, but Gen 4 is truly one of, no, is my favorite generation. That was the question, right? Wow. Yeah, Yeah, no, that's it. I heard (laughs) that entirely. Wow. Um, Truly, because it introduces creation lore behind Pokemon, and I am a lore, I'm going to break your rule, sorry. I'm a lore whore is what I call myself. I love lore give me the backstory behind things it will give me the goosebumps and so this one touches on the creation story behind pokemon essentially god (laughs) just all these things time and space and antimatter and all these sorts of things it's so it's just a a astounding generation in my opinion i need to play these games for me like again like it was red blue yellow and then dry spell until sword and shield mm. would go in the middle. Um, so yeah, I do need to catch up on some of the, like the later mid generation uh, games. But because of that, like I'm still stuck on first generation, mm. which for me again, there's that whole nostalgia of I was a kid, I was uh, I was there at the inception of Pokemon. <laughs> no, <laughs> I was there when it was like blowing up at least in the West. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember like watching this anime and like just being so into it and can't explain why the dry spell happened, but 
Yeah. Yeah. It just comes Life happened. Thing. You're a Gen 1-er. Yeah, I'm a Gen 1-er. Gen 1-er. Do you know what that means? Boomer. But like the kind video of, games? Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly. It's just someone that's like, I like Gen 1. It was the best and there's nothing wrong with it. And it's like... Mm. Well, no. For me, it's mainly because I didn't have you, as yeah. much exposure to the, the later generations outside of like Pokemon Go or Smash Brothers or... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The movies. Absolutely. Yeah. So, understandably. It's me taking the bull by the horns. It's how I handle my business. It's a metaphor. I get it. But that actually happened, though. All right, and we're on to this week's rotating segment. Uh, we are going back to wrong answers only. That was a fun one, and I wanted to bring it back. Uh, I'm going to post a link to this poster in the show notes. Uh, it is a film called A Boy and His Dog. Uh, those of us in film circles have probably seen this. I have not. So it's going to be fun trying to guess what this movie's about simply by looking at the poster. The year is 2024. A future you'll probably live to see. Oh my gosh. That's it's two years away. Two... Yeah, two years for the... Oh my gosh, the prophecy will be fulfilled. <laughs> Wait, does it say that? No, no. Oh, okay. I'm just saying, <laughs> because he you is know, prophesizing the year you'll probably live to see. Oh, yeah, it's a good very bet. Very true. Good very bet, true. good bet. I hope I do. Uh, yeah, I hope so, too. I, so I'm getting, like, girl on the train tracks vibe from this part. But the train tracks are upside, upside down, down, and she's not Oh, my God, there. it's the, it's, this is... This is Stranger Things before Stranger Things exists. Oh, she's in the upside down. <laughs> and yeah, this is this guy who's just like staring off camera wearing uh, an Elmer Fudd hat. That's definitely, I'm getting the same vibe. Yeah. And he has a dog. Is he hunting for her? The dog? Yeah. It, it's like, is he? Because it looks like, you know, he's about to be like, be very, very quiet. <laughs> And don't forget this, like, rusted, bloody door in the back. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's like Texas Chainsaw Massacre door. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. This is like live-action Looney Tunes, but, like, in a post-apocalyptic hellscape. That's what I'm getting to. You know, in 2024, that might not be far off. Um, <laughs> oh, uh, uh, on the bottom it says, an R-rated, rather kinky tale of survival. Okay. What? So it's... So it's a sex thing. Yeah, <laughs> potentially. Yeah, that's. Uh, and assuming it is rated R, it's um, okay. also right in the bottom. He's he's a he is a virgin, and his dog is helping him find a girl or guy or non-binary person because it's twenty twenty four. Yes, that's true. Um, to be with. Yeah, but in an intimate way. And she's. In an underneath an upside down railroad track in like, oh my gosh, the Looney Tunes connection. It's the Looney Tunes backdrop. It's that's what I'm. There's a hundred. But even even yeah, that's all. Like folks. legitimately, there's a lot of Looney Tunes illusions here. Oh, and I love how on the side, like in little tiny font, it says no one admitted after performance starts. It has to be seen from the beginning. 
oh my gosh, like they really thought they were made, they were Alfred Hitchcock here. <laughs> <laughs> and who knows, you know, maybe they were going for vertigo, but at the end of the day, you have like the little da 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 You have Porky Pig coming out at the end, <laughs> right? Absolutely. Like he he's like he monkey bars past the, the, <laughs> the upside chick, down railroad yeah, track. Yeah, he's like, hi, I'm here. Yeah, yeah, that's all, folks. That's all. <laughs> so this is Kinky Looney Tunes. Um, 2024 with the dog in 2024 um yeah and check out the sun in the backdrop is that that's modesto i'm just kidding yeah it's modesto it it does look like a well like they're trying to survive in the desert i'm assuming i mean climate change 2024 2024, they did say that we're going downhill real fast a future you'll probably live to see. Well, let's hope that it's... Mm, I don't know. Uh, will the Elmer Fudd hat be in again? That's what I'm wondering. I could see it. Yeah, like... Like, with my hair, I definitely need an Elmer Fudd hat to cover it. No, no, your hair looks fine. Not not because it looks bad, but to con- if I ever need to wear a hat to yeah. contain it, I would need that sort of, like, voluminous... And you notice how the dog is just kind of like looking straight ahead, like the I'm, dog is sick of being. I'm just here. Yeah, I'm just, yeah. This I'm guy trying my best. The the guy the guy on the frame is like looking like very intently off camera, like, oh yeah, this is this is a future that I have lived to see. Probably, I think he's living a summer in California. Yeah, or Florida. Or Florida, maybe because you know it gets really hot, humid, and muggy over there. And this dog is just like. I'm just here. I'm, I don't know. The dog doesn't even look like they care, to be honest. Like, yeah, dogs can be expressive, and this dog is, like, not expressive mm-hmm. in the slightest. It's uh, like, not today, honey. This, this dog could not be less interested to be here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still intrigued by this bloody door. Yeah. Like, is this... A- a, a legitimately bloody. Like, not, not, not the English bloody door. I'm assuming this is supposed to be a horror movie, but, like... That's what I'm wondering. A kinky... Well, kinky the, and horror kind of go... It almost feels like they want to go with, like, horror comedy. Uh, let me... Hmm. Let me go ahead and look this up really quick. So, according to Wikipedia, A Boy and His Dog is a 1975 American black comedy science fiction film... Uh, so it is a comedic okay. film, uh, but it's also a black comedy. So like things, you're laughing at stuff you're not supposed to laugh at Ooh. because it's dark humor. Like people are dying and it's funny. I feel like laughter is. People forget that laughter is a technical. You can laugh at things that are uncomfortable. It's like a mechanism. Yeah, thing. yeah. Uh, it concerns a teenage boy. And his telepathic dog. Telepathic! His dog's name is Blood. The dog's dog's name is Blood. And they work together as a team to survive in the dangerous post-apocalyptic wasteland of the southwestern United States. We were in Modesto. Modesto. We were in Modesto. (laughs) Wow. Um, I'm kind of interested in seeing this. Um, Now I'm intrigued. It has a 76% on Rotten Tomatoes, so it is a okay. very, it is a well-received movie, an offbeat, eccentric black comedy, according to the site's consensus. I thought that was a critic who said that. Um, and it's 68% on Metacritic, so it's, it's pretty well, pretty well mm-hmm, uh, liked. Mm-hmm. Um, 
George Miller, the director of Mad Max, cited that as a uh, as a, an inspiration for his Ooh. movies. Um, yeah, so that's one I'm gonna probably be checking out. I still need to check out the one from the previous episode, uh, that Westworld sequel. Uh, I forgot what it was called already. I don't know if you've heard the episode yet. Uh, no. But yeah, <laughs> uh, I'll need to check that out as well as the original Westworld. So. Okay. So maybe double feature someday. And that will conclude today's episode. Rico, where can we find you on social media? Uh, as I mentioned at the beginning, you can find me streaming on Twitch. I don't have a full schedule. It just kind of depends on if I'm free in the day. Because, uh, you know, life is working 40 hours right now. And we are millennials. Yes. <laughs> life? What's that? Um, but you can catch me on twitch.tv slash Rococo, R-I-C-O-C-O. With two underscores because apparently there's three other Rococos out there. They don't use their accounts though, so if I reach a precipice of, of streaming ever in my life, I can probably steal the original Rococo name. Yes. So you can follow me there. Um, we play Pokemon games primarily, but we've been playing some free-to-play games such as Fall Guys, um, uh, Fortnite, Rocket League is a recent one I've been enjoying. Among Us. Among Us. I, I, it's been a while since I played Among Us, Same. but yes, I will play that one too. So that's what I play there. You can also find me on Instagram posting about my life and just fun little random nerdy stuff uh, at cup.of.rococo. Cup of Rococo. Um, get it. <laughs> and yeah, so that's where you can find me on the interwebs. Perfect. Well, thank you for joining me on this episode. Thank you for having me. I loved it. And to all of you listening at home, I hope you are not just entertained, but somehow reborn together.